Coming up next on Growler Talk, Lucas and I break down everything you need to know about what happened in the first week of the season. I sit down with pitching coach Mark Goodman and we hand out our Player of the Week nominees. All coming up next on Growler Talk. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into Growler Talk. I'm Lucas. Sitting next to me is Brian, and this is Growler Talk number three. And we actually have some baseball to talk about this time. A whole week is done. And the Kalamazoo Growlers, well, I'd say it's a pretty good week. A 4-2 and two record for the Growlers through the first week. And check this out. They are in first place, tied for first with two other teams in the South Division. What a week for Kalamazoo. I thought, especially with some expectations, if you didn't know what you were going to get from the temporary players, and they, they went out and had a lot of success. I would say they exceeded expectations. I think people would have been happy if you're sitting at 3-3 three and three after – one week of baseball essentially here in Kalamazoo. They went out, exceeded expectations, um, played pretty well in almost all of these games, fought off some late wins, had that late comeback against Lakeshore. Just overall really impressed. Lots of good talent on this roster and overall definitely impressed with the way they were able to come out and perform. Well, let's go ahead and just look at the standings just to update everybody out there. In the South Division, a reminder that this league is a two-half league. If you win the first half, you qualify for the playoffs. If you win the second half, you qualify for the playoffs, and if you finish within the next top two overall, you qualify for the playoffs, so four teams from each division will make the playoffs, and Kalamazoo, they look pretty good. I know it's only one week, but they look pretty high up in the standings. They are in a first-place tie with Wisconsin Rapids Rafters, Fond du Lac Dock Spiders, and Kalamazoo Growlers all tied at 4-2. and two. Then you go to the next tier, Kenosha by himself at 3-2, and two. and then Wisconsin, Madison, Rockford all at 3-3. Three and three. Lakeshore Green Bay at two and four, and the arch rival, the I-94 rival, Battle Creek, the defending South champions, one and four at the bottom of the division. That's exciting for Kalamazoo fans, seeing Battle Creek at the bottom, one and four. Of course, three wins out of four against Battle Creek. A huge reason why the Bombers are at the bottom, and Kalamazoo is near the top at four and two. I like those standings. Fondu Lock, a bit of a surprise up there at the top. Wisconsin Rapids, though, always a solid team and you expect them to be there the entire season absolutely wisconsin's gonna be the team to beat probably in this division early on in this year they have that four and two record they're one of the historically best teams in the south division so early on right now despite Fond du Lac and our growlers having as good a record and as good a start as wisconsin wisconsin's still the team to beat in this division pretty clearly and kalamazoo though everyone was kind of thinking coming in you just stay alive in the first half, go around 500, and then you compete for that division title in the second half. But all of a sudden it looks like, hey, we're ready to win right now. We can win some of these games and have a shot at that first half division title. It feels like there's a real chance that they could compete early on in the season. Yeah, I mean, if you told anybody after the first week you're going to be tied for first place, everybody in this organization from ops to managers to players to us in the booth, 100% would take that, and that's where they stand now at 4-2. and two. I, I think they've got a real shot. I've been really, I was really impressed with that first week. Brian, what was your big takeaway from that first week of action? This team, they didn't hit particularly well. 16th in the league right now in batting average, just 205. So they went through some lulls where they struggled to hit the baseball. But all in all, they ended up putting some runs up on the board, averaging just over five runs per game offensively they're not allowed or not afraid to take a walk they have 40 walks right now which is really impressive almost everyone on this team 
has taken at least one walk. Yeah, and that leads the league. The 40-walk total it's leads really the impressive. league. It's really impressive. And so we'll see as the season progresses because it felt like at times they were being really patient but almost too patient. And they are really trying to work the opposing pitcher's pitch counts, but they were leaving some advantageous counts open because they were taking fastballs for a strike ahead in the count when they could have instead looked to drive in some runs which can lead to those offensive lulls so we'll try to see them find a balance I think moving forward of still being patient at the plate and working that good approach making sure you're getting your pitch but they also want to be aggressive and attack some fastballs and I think that was what we started to see in this past weekend Saturday Sunday against Battle Creek they really started to look fastball and attack it when they had the opportunity, not just up there trying to work pitch counts and just get on base, but to drive the baseball as well. And in terms of the pitching, you've got a four ERA, which is 13th in the league. They've walked a lot of hitters as well, though. The 1.56 whip, 17th in the league, only struck out 37 batters, 19th in the league, and they had 10 wild pitches, second in the league. Despite all those numbers, though, they pitched in crucial scenarios to get those four wins. Jack Nelson, Mason Shinneberry at the end of the week had some great bullpen performances, both going five innings, both picking up wins out of the bullpen against Battle Creek over the weekend. And when you have performances like that, you know the numbers, you kind of throw them out the window. Because I think the pitchers, if you take out the Lakeshore game, the nine-run collapse in the ninth inning in the second game of the season, you take that game out. I think this pitching staff has been definitely good enough to win and clearly good enough to put this team into first place. No doubt about it. They've been really good, especially the bullpen. As you said, take out that nine-run ninth inning against Lakeshore. They've been really good, especially the last two days with Nelson and Shinneberry. Maybe not popping off the page as two big-arm guys, but really getting the job done. Nelson's changeup was really working well and can be a great pitch, and Shinneberry was just dealing, really working his pitches quite well out there on the mound. So I think that it was one of those things where if the bullpen continue to bail out the starters, Birch and Verbitsky did not have necessarily great outings. I think that the bullpen can be a really good weapon moving forward for the Scrallers team if they continue to perform at that same level. Okay, so this is the time of our podcast. We're going to start to get into this. It's going to be start to be formulaic on Mondays. We'll do a, a week recap, and then we will discuss the week, and then we will both name our players of the week. We'll both always name somebody different, get two guys recognized that deserve some recognition from that first week. So, Brian, who is your growler player of the week for the first week of the season, a four and two week for Kalamazoo? And this is a guy that I think could get it a lot throughout the rest of the year, Nico Cavadas. 304 average this week, two doubles, the only doubles for these growlers this season. Six RBIs, all within the last two days, four walks. He's just been great up there at the plate, driving in runs, hitting the ball hard. Almost every time he's up at the dish, he has been really good for the growlers so far this season. I like Cavadas. I really love what he's doing. I He's just starting to time up his pitches, starting to get back into the rhythm. He was at Notre Dame with that 299 batting average this spring as a freshman. So I think Cavadas is going to be winning that award a lot more, like you said. And I'm going to give it to a guy that if you said at the beginning of the week, who's going to win this award? I don't think everybody would have said that, and that's Parker Murdy from Jackson Community College. He batted 469 this spring. So you would think this is the expectation. But Parker Murdy has been on a four-game hitting streak, and most of those have come on infield singles. Five of his eight hits are infield singles, that's so impressive from Parker Murdy. Putting up some good numbers, Mr. Parker Murdy. That's big time from him at the dish, and he drove in a run at one point in one of these games. Has been really good in defensive scenarios as well. He's made a few style. diving spots. 
he's been really good. He's been solid on the defensive side, and I think that as he continues to work forward, it's clear why he's batting 469. The guy rarely strikes out 469 in college, even 400 right now for the Growlers. He's pretty clearly makes good contact every time he's at the dish and has the good speed even when he doesn't make solid contact to put the pressure on the defense. Parker Murdy, one of those guys that's been key in this 4-2 and two run. And I think really one of the bigger keys in this 4-2 and two run has been the coaching staff. We've seen their ability to make shifts, to make changes, to make adjustments. And one of the members of the coaching staff, pitching coach Mark Goodman, had a chance to sit down with you, Brian, and conduct an interview we're going to go ahead and play that for you right now. Brian McLaughlin had a chance to sit down with pitching coach Mark Goodman. We're here with pitching coach for the Kalamazoo Growlers, Mark Goodman. Mark, how you doing today? Doing pretty good. How about you, Brian? I'm all right. I'm okay. So, six games into this season. How are you feeling about Kalamazoo so far? How's everything settling in with the new team for you? Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm happy with it. We're 4-2 and two right now. Um, anything over 500 this early in the season is doing great. Um, so we're just going to keep chugging along and see what we can do this week. Uh, this is a big week for us. If we can uh, stay above 500 and keep doing what we need to do, when we get the rest of our guys, we'll be just fine. And then any initial reactions to the pitching staff, guys, you've worked with so far? Just what are your reactions on what you have right now and then moving forward? I'm excited with what we have. Uh, all the guys have been working hard and uh, showing up every day ready to go. So uh, obviously there's a few things we can tinker with. But uh, so far, so good with my staff. I'm very pleased. Mark, you have lots of different experiences out there in both your playing career and coaching career. One thing that really stands out when you look at your bio, you struck out Ricky Henderson. What was that like when you were there? Just I think our listeners would be very interested a little bit in what that was kind of like to strike out an all-time great. Um, it was a great experience for me. I was young. I had just finished college. It was my first outing um, in indie ball. And uh, it was actually kind of funny because I threw first pitch fastball to Ricky. He swings out of his shoes. He uh, misses, then turns around, points at me, and he says, you don't throw Ricky that pitch. And uh, that was something I'd never heard before in baseball and uh, probably never will again. But that's Ricky being Ricky. Uh, eventually I struck him out on some curveballs, but something I'll never forget. Definitely something. <laughs> I don't think anyone would forget right. that. Ricky talking a little bit of trash uh, to you out there on the field. Exactly. It was a good pitch. He should have hit it. Not my fault, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then – so you played a lot of seasons in indie ball. Lucas and I have talked about this a little bit on air, bouncing around a little bit and kind of that kind of reaction or just the need to a little bit survive out there as a baseball player. What is that mentality kind of like as a player, whether it's still in collegiate baseball or once you get up into minor leagues, independent leagues, to have that type of mentality? It's definitely a short-term memory. With this game of failure, you have to have a short-term memory. If you haven't been released, you haven't been playing long enough. Love so that. there's always the ups and downs and the struggles. It's it's what you do when you get knocked down. Can you handle it and get back up? And the next time you come out with runners in second and third, do you get the out or do you just uh, buckle under pressure? So that's why we play this game. And, and that's why the weird ones pitch because we like those situations where it's against us and the odds are against us, but we want to prevail. So um, I enjoy it and, and, and trying to teach these guys every day in and out to feel the same way when they get on the mound. Lucas and I talked about that a little bit as well. Um, any chance that you would, if whether 
or a few years ago when you played or right now, any chance you would have grown out a man bun at all? I feel like that's something that you would potentially try to rock as a style. Oh, for sure. Uh, I had a mohawk uh, in my reliever days, so I for sure have a man bun. My beard would be probably, you know, seven, eight inches longer than now, and I would, it would be all over the place because uh, I, I like the flair that those guys have on the mound. Seven or eight inches. That would be quite the <laughs> right? beard. It would. Brian it. Wilson, the guy in the Giants, had the beard for yeah. all those years ago. That's the type of – that's it's. I feel like that's one thing for a pitcher, but then I feel like closers really have that kind of just something weird about them, especially Brian Wilson was one of those guys. I don't know what it is, but it just feels like if that late reliever inning guy, you have all that pressure. Is that a situation that you really like to have the pressure on you out on the mound? I really do, and I, and I think that's another reason why they're so quirky and, and off the walls is because you kind of have to be because nobody really likes that pressure all the time, day in and day out, if, if your 9-to-5 was like that. But uh, here, being a reliever, set up closer, that, that's what you live for. That's what gets you going in the, every night. I definitely don't see you as a 9-to-5 guy. That's, <laughs> that's not something I imagine right. you as right there. But uh, So you've moved around with many different teams, both as a player and a coach. What's it like coming into a new locker room, and how do you try to mesh with your team, either as a coach or when you come in as a new player? You know, at the first, uh, all the guys are pretty awkward and quiet, but you, you try to just get to know them as well as possible as soon as possible. Now that we know that these are our guys that we're going with, um, you try to get to know them off the field a little bit, what what gets them going, what gets their quirks, how, how you can approach them, so that you know when you go to that mound visit, this is a guy I can get into a little bit, or this is a guy I got to try to make feel a little bit better, because if you go the wrong way with it, it's gonna it's not going to work out positively for us. So. Positively. <laughs> So we just try to find out what they what what gets them going off the field. Definitely, that's something I think that anyone would say, for sure. Um, and then when you're kind of talking to some of these different guys, there's a lot of different personalities in any baseball team, and in this team specifically, I'm sure that is the same as well. How do you try to mold yourself to a different unit as a pitching coach? Because I think that's got to be one of being flexible to how you relate to different guys. You have to have a number of different personalities almost when you're out there you have to be able to relate to all these people how important is that for you to just be able to mold yourself in all these different ways I think it's super important and it's something that you learn throughout coaching obviously five years ago I had no clue as much as I do now and I'm still trying to learn every day as a coach don't get me wrong um but you try to be a chameleon and, and blend in with what your surroundings are. And if you can't do that, then it's going to be a hard year for you to coach because you got to be able to reach these guys. And, and in the middle of July, when they're not feeling it, and it's the dog days of summers, you got to understand how to get them pumped up and ready to go for that next start or that next relief appearance after they've had a couple bad ones and they're thinking they should call mom and dad and go home. So it, it, it's a different it's a different bird around here about how you're going to get things done. But uh, it's also a fun and great experience once in a lifetime for these kids. What's your favorite part of being a pitching coach, would you say? That's a great question. I don't know if it's between calling pitches or, or, or watching my staff um, execute what we've talked about the day before mm. and, and, it's, and get the W. Um, I love it when we can keep the runs down and, and the pitching staff has fun, and then the next day we'll go out there and kick the hacky sack around before the game and get another exactly. dub. So. How do you go about trying to balance that bit of like you want to work hard, be strategic and get some wins, but also having fun off the field? This is summer baseball. After all, you want your guys to be relaxed. How do you go about trying to create that balance? You definitely have to get your work into every day. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm a one day a week kind of off for running reliever wise a Sunday like yesterday, Sunday, fun day, no run day. But every day we, we got to get in here and get our work done. I'm not a, uh, a long being out on the field guy. I'm more 
quality, not quantity. So if we get out here for a half an hour every day and get it done, that's fine. But I'm also wanting us to have some fun. That's why we have the football. We throw the routes around. We got the hacky sack. We're trying to keep it um, enjoyable because it is a daily grind. These kids have never had 20 straight games. They don't know what it's like to do this. So we got to make sure we mix it up and have them still enjoying to come to the yard every day. Sunday fun day, not run day. I love that. I feel like you have so many of these little sayings that you have that they're just so relatable. How many do you think you have of things like that? Oh, I don't know. They just come off the top of my head, but it's so many years of summer ball and ball in general that uh, you got a lot of free time down that dugout. I'm sure. I mean, we've seen, as you said, playing football, the hacky sack before the game. I saw first baseman Nico Cavadas and Jason Sullivan throwing some pitches down in the bullpen yesterday. Any chance either of those two see the mound at all this year? I'm not going to go that far, but I love to see the effort in case we need somebody, in case somebody goes down or it's a big blowout game that we got somebody ready. But um, I love letting them see. Try and Maybe one day if we get a shutout here, we'll get the pitchers in the, in the BP. So it's, I have no problem with everybody doing something else, but I don't think we'll see them on the mound anytime soon. Is there an early pitcher that you see could be a big-time home run hitter that we've, we've seen some in the major leagues, Madison Bumgarner, Jake Arrieta, any on this Growlers staff that could surprise some people? I haven't quite seen anybody yet, but we haven't seen many hacks, so uh, I don't want to give anybody any props just yet. So we'll let them all uh, stay where they're at. We'll, we'll let, the, let the dust settle there <laughs> right, a little yeah, bit. We'll before. play it as it lies. We'll play it as it lies. <laughs> For sure. Mark, obviously, fun-loving guy over here. Who is the best then football player that you've seen running some routes? Donovan Clark, former football player at Indiana. Maybe he's going to provide some coverage. I think we also see Zach Daniels, a big-bodied athlete, and then your pitchers have been throwing the football around. Any future football stars on this team? I think we're, we're right where we need to be playing baseball, and uh, <laughs> we're going to stay with that. So, <laughs> Sounds good, Mark. Thank you so much. Teaching us fun sayings like Sunday, fun day, and not run day. Mark, thank you so much for your time in this interview today. Thanks for having me. All right, coming up next, Lucas and I will give you some more of our first-week reactions on our – Weekly podcast growler talk. Well, that was a fun interview with pitching coach Mark Goodman. Gotta love the guy. He's a very fun personality to be around, a big personality as well. Not afraid to say what he thinks. And just really, there's a lot of things going on that he really loves about this team and enjoys being here. And whenever you're around Mark, just a great guy to talk to and be around. Just a great overall guy. And that was fun. He loves to just be relaxed out here. He knows this is summer ball and just be a relaxed personality for a lot of these guys really makes you so much better as a team. Yeah, and I'm glad that Mark Goodman enjoyed himself and I hope he keeps enjoying himself this season with another winning week. But let's go ahead and take a look at that upcoming week and see what the Growlers can expect over this next week. They have Madison two times at home. That's Monday. We're recording this podcast on a Monday before the Madison Mallards game. Two games at home against Madison, then two on the road against Kenosha, and then at home again against the Green Bay Bullfrogs, and then they'll be on the road for a Sunday-Monday series against Rockford. Those six games, what is that? No, two, four, six, eight. I'm poor at math. Those next eight games over the next week, how key are those? I mean, is it still the, – is the goal still, Brian, to hover around 500? For this team, or because you saw a four and two first week, is the goal now? Hey, push for first place, push for that first half title. What is the goal moving forward? Because we know the established goal with the temporary players was to establish something, establish continuity, get good teammates, go five hundred, 
have some winning baseball, and then make an explosion in the second half. Has that goal changed with the successful first week? The expectations are certainly rising, but I don't know if the goal has changed because really what you want out of all these guys, it's still early in the season, and I think that you just want to keep telling them, just keep playing the same baseball. Play the best you can out here, and if we go 500, we go 500. You want to go at least that mark at this point, staying right around a game or two above that 500 like even level, but if you're playing your best baseball, I don't see why you shouldn't just continue to preach that. And if you win games, you win games. And if you're going right at that even level, so be it. That's fine for the first half. But there's no need to push right now too hard to go for we need to be in first place after this eight-game stretch here. If you just continue to play your best baseball, are happy with your approach at the plate, starting to throw more strikes on the mound, I think, and just be more a consistent group, really come together as a team, I think, over these next eight days. It's going to tell this coaching staff and us a lot about what we expect the rest of the year for these players. So you've got Madison at 3-3, three and three, and you've got Kenosha 3-2, and two, and in my opinion, this next stretch is going to be the litmus test for this team. We are going to see how good they are, because Lakeshore struggled at the beginning of the year, Battle Creek struggling as well. I think those teams will end up being all right, but I think Madison has got a really good group of ball players. They're coming into your ballpark, and then you've got your first true road trip against Kenosha. Kenosha started the season 3-0, and oh, so I think these next four games are the true test for Kalamazoo, I mean, if you go two and two in this stretch, I think that's solid. That's good. If you go three and one, you get pretty excited. You go four and oh, you're mind blown. You go one and three, you worry a bit, and you go oh and four. That's when you really start to worry. Playing these games at home against Madison is so huge. And the fact that they opened their road series against Battle Creek, which is a 30-minute drive down the road, you're still staying at home, really allowed these guys to be comfortable at home. So I think they should really try to take advantage of these games at home against Madison. And then when they go on the road, that'll be very interesting to see how these young players, as a young team, remember how young these guys are. A lot of sophomores and juniors really react to being on the road with this group for the first time, the long bus rides, and playing in all these different ballparks. It'll be very interesting to see how they react and continue to play well when they're on the road. It'll be interesting to see how they react to the grind as well, to the day after day. There is no off day for the foreseeable future, it's not until June 20... I can't even tell where it is. I think it's the end of June, it is almost. The, it is the end of June. So you've got 20-odd games in a row for Kalamazoo. It's June 18th is the next off day after the Lakeshore series. And they're going to be on the road for that stretch in between Lakeshore and Green Bay. So it's just almost no off days. So this, we'll see how the team reacts. As the schedule gets tougher, as the road trips get longer, as the season starts to grind you down, as you pick up a little nick on your knee, a little nick on your ankle. It's baseball, though. You've got to come ready to play every day, and that's what this group is going to be tested in. The rhythm of baseball is so amazing sometimes, but it's a grind for sure. But as they fall into the rhythm, that's when you really see who your players are and really develop and see, all right, this is going to be a guy I can depend on day in, day out. And as they fall into that rhythm of playing every day, it'll test their mental toughness for sure, which is something Mark talked about in our interview right there. It was something just testing the mental toughness. Who's going to be able to survive these long road trips? Who can just stay tough and stay consistent through it all? And that's how you're really going to see who's going to step up for this team and be able to perform late July and August. Well, I, I'm excited to see the next week, and I thought this was a good addition to Growler Talk. We got some information out there. We got to talk to pitching coach Mark Goodman. I believe we're talking to hitting coach Connor McLeod next week. 
Maybe expect some content in the middle of the week. We will see, but always listen to us. MixLR.com, Zoo, Growlers. Brian, any final thoughts for the people? Looking forward to another great week at Growlers Baseball. Hopefully they can keep their winning ways continuing as they continue to get more and more new, fresh faces, fresh arms, fresh talent in here. And this team really has what it takes to be a good team this year. I think week one just proved that. And the expectations continue to rise for this group to continue to perform. So there's a lot to live up to now for them, but I think this group really can get it done on the field this year. Expectation rising is a good thing because that means there's success on the baseball field. Hey, come on out to a Growlers game. This team is good. This team is something to be watched. GrowlersTickets.com to find out where your seat is going to be at Homer Striker Field. For Brian McLaughlin, I'm Lucas Moore. This has been Growler Talk Edition 3. We thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Go Growlers! Go Growlers!